This is exactly right. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the Detective Club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. What's that at the foot of my bed? It's spooky and kooky. I'm pretty sure it's dead. It's coming this way. Hey, boo. It's me, Roz. We've got another listener episode today, which I'm always excited about. And as always, if you want to be on a listener episode coming up here soon, just send me an email at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com and put in the subject line, listener episode. We're getting very close to Halloween. Oh, it's October, my favorite month ever. Also because my birthday is the 20th. And last year, on the 19th, we did the first ever live Ghosted in Los Angeles, and it was such a magical night, and it was sold out, and I got to meet everyone, and we just had a blast. And unfortunately, we can't do that this year. But I will be celebrating my birthday. It's going to be weird this year, because it's not like I can really do a, a whole lot, but... It's actually, it's a big birthday next Tuesday, the 20th. So don't worry, you don't have to get me a gift or anything. This isn't technically a drag show, but if this was a drag show, you know, I would constantly be like, give me money, tip me. My Venmo is at Queen Roz. My PayPal is ghosted by Roz at gmail.com. Tip me. But it's not a drag show, so I'm not going to do that. But I will be having a big birthday on Tuesday, the 20th. Today's episode is so fun. Okay, here's who I talked to. I talked to Kit, who grew up in a haunted house. Then I talked to Joey, who encountered maybe an angel. Some, I'll let Joey tell it. And Joey's the one that recently I shared his story about 
encountering his boyfriend, but then it wasn't his boyfriend. So go back two episodes to the first R.H. Stabus episode if you want to hear that story. And then I talked to Alex, who's a drag queen, who does ghost tours in Chicago, which is so funny that we're talking about tours this week because on Patreon, I did a video where I drive around Los Angeles. I drove around my former neighborhood of Los Feliz and I went to some spooky locations. I just kind of, you know, drove and and wanted to show you some areas that were either used in horror movies or are allegedly haunted. And I gave you a little bit of facts, at least to what I know. And I think I'm just going to keep doing those videos on Patreon. I had a good time. So go check that out on the first tier. And the second tier of Patreon called On With The Show, you will hear a special bonus story from one of this week's listeners. That'll be Kit, who had a terrifying experience in the night in Auckland, New Zealand. You will also be hearing on today's episode, Brad, who went to a an infamous Beverly Hills mansion and may have had some kind of energy or entity follow him home. All right, here is the special Halloween month of October's listener episode. On with the show. Hello, Kit. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Roz? So good. Where are you? I'm in Oregon. I live in uh, Bend, Oregon. Lovely. (laughs) You sent me this email and I was like, damn, okay, there is a lot going on here. So you grew up in a haunted house. I did. Yes, absolutely. What was going on with that? Okay, so I grew up in a small town in Nebraska, and um, our house was uh, the it was there before the town was. The town was sort of built around it. Um, so it was, gosh, when I in the eighties, it was well over a hundred years. Old. I love um, that this house is like I'm here. You guys can create a whole town around me. That's right. <laughs> so, um, so it's a pretty small house, um, and there are just two bedrooms like one small bedroom downstairs and the downstairs area is one of those like circular houses so there's doors opening like there's two doors in every room so you can just go around and around um okay yeah so so anyway I was conceived in that house but before I was born my parents um they always felt really uneasy the bigger room upstairs Uh, my dad in fact would not would not be in that room alone. He wouldn't, he absolutely wouldn't sleep in that room alone. He always felt like something was watching him and didn't like him. Mm. Um, So growing up, they eventually put my brother in that room and um, he really didn't, the the ghost really didn't like my dad. Uh, My brother had a picture of my dad uh, when he was young, flipping off the camera. And every time my brother would go into his room, that picture will have been thrown across the room. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. Um, so when I was a toddler, um, my, my aunt was over um, and this aunt is witchy as well. She long was talking to ghosts. Um, in fact, invited a ghost when she moved house, she had made friends with him to the point where she invited him to come with them to the new house. Um, so aunt Jody is sitting in the living room 
and I pull open these pocket doors that connect the dining room and living room and look over toward the kitchen door where my mom is. Uh, and I say, who's that? And I point, point toward the door. And Aunt Jody is like, well, that's your mom. She's making lunch. And I said, no, that, who's that? Who's that boy, that big boy over there in the corner? He always looks at me and says, hello. And my Aunt Jody was like, oh God, there's, uh, here's another one that is going to see the things. Um, and so from then on, my parents, well, I guess I should back up. When I was a baby, um, you know, right before, I mean, you just kind of babble. Uh, they said they would hear me in my crib and it, it sounded like I was having a conversation with someone that the, just with the lilt of my voice um, and, and, you know, the pauses, they were like, it sounds like she's, you know, someone's asking her questions and she's answering and, you know, she's asking a question and they're answering. It was unsettling to them enough to where they noted it. Um, so anyway, then back to, uh, sorry, that's my 19 year old cat. Um, oh my God. I was like, I thought I just heard a baby <laughs> talking in the background. <laughs> I was like, she brought her own sound effects. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's sort of obnoxious these days. He's um, he's a little bit senile. Um, so he just kind of walks around squawking. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So, so they started hearing me uh, just talking to this person, just having full on conversations. They, you know, at night they'd send me out into the hallway to turn off the light. Um, if I was going to sleep with them and I would stand out in the hallway for like 10 or 20 minutes, just having a conversation, um, answering questions again, that they could hear the answers. They knew that someone was talking to me. Um, <laughs> but I guess they just want, preferred to, uh, sort of ignore it or maybe chalk it up to an imaginary friend. Um, but you know, I was only like two or three. Um, so then there was a, a time where my dad was, he was playing in a band. He played in a band, uh, after work at nights and he was gone. And, uh, my mom, my brother and I had all fallen asleep in the living room and it was the summertime. So the front door was open with the screen door closed and, uh, mom woke up and it was dark by then. And there were no lights on in the house. And she sort of set up on the couch and was like, Oh, I'm, you know, this is not like me. I don't fall asleep. I, you know, my kids are right here. Like the door is open. This is um, so unlike me. So she's thinking that, and then she sees something out of the corner of her eye and she turns to look and it's that same door, the kitchen door, shoulders of a man, all kind of white walk out. And then she jumped up with her arms out because she thought she was going to have to fight somebody that someone had come in the house. And he turned and looked at her and then just took a step backwards and disappeared into the wall. <laughs> now, do you and, think that that was big boy? See, the, so I'm not really sure. Um, and then when we get to the very end of the story, I'll let you make the call because it's, okay. it, it's just really unclear if there's more than one ghost in the house. I think there's probably more than one, just given how old it is. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, so that happened. And she was just like, uh, shit, I don't know what to do. Um, so that was the summer. So the following winter, uh, they were potty training me. And my dad and my brother were out somewhere. And my mom had me in the bathroom that's off the other side of the kitchen. And uh, she's, we're just sitting there. And she said, all of a sudden, she hears a, a voice say, Katie, which is my full name, Katie. And she was like, oh, I'm just going to shake that off. I must have just been hearing something. But then I answered in the same voice, 
what? <laughs> and it was, she said it was so sing-songy and terrifying that she just like, and she'd had enough of just hearing me talking to this person um, that she ran to the stairway, which is the hallway where she just like flipped out on him. It was like, leave her alone. Don't ever talk to her again. Ah, just flipping out. And then she slammed the door. And then they said they never heard me talk to him again. Then fast forward to I'm like 16, 15 or 16, and I'm up in my room and I'm the only person in the family that feels good upstairs. Uh, I actually feel really, really safe upstairs. Everyone else is a bit freaked out by it. Um, and I was sitting on my bed and thinking about, I've been told all these stories. I don't have any memories of them at all. Uh, and I was thinking about how cool it would be to have like this imaginary ghost friend, you know, like I was just like, God damn it, mom, like I could be talking to a ghost right now. How dope would that be? How dare you take that from me? <laughs> and so I was kind of saying out loud, like uh, inviting him because I I'd named him Big Boy. That was his name when I was little. So I was like, Big Boy, you know, I'm sorry. Like my mom didn't know what she was doing, but I'm totally not scared of you. And if you want to talk to me again, I'm okay with it. Um, so I didn't, you know, nothing happened, but like shortly after my mom started having these like poltergeist tricks played on her um, where she, the first one was like a mascara. She had just bought a brand new mascara. She put it on the very top of her caboodle, like in the very first um, drawer and to use it, it was gone. And she, you know, asked me if I had taken it, you know, was like, it's okay if you took it, just, I want it back so you can use it. And I was like, I didn't take your mascara. Uh, and so she tore everything out of the caboodle like five times, couldn't find it, looked all over in her purse and other bags, couldn't find it, decided to go one last time to look at the caboodle and she opened it up and it was sitting right where she had put it originally on top of everything. Oh, um, big boy probably had some <laughs> luscious lashes. <laughs> he was so beautiful. <laughs> um, so, so the next thing that happened was we were all sitting in the living room and my parents had recliners and my mom was sitting in hers with her arm on the armrest and her watch just kind of fell off of her wrist onto the ground. And she was like, what the, you know, this is, it's not really possible that it could have happened um, because her, her arm was pressed flat against the, the rest. So she picked it up and tried to put it back on. And she realized that the, the arm part that like goes into the hole of the watch band that sort of secures it to your wrist it was flipped on the other side of that, of the bar that holds it in, if that makes sense. To the point where my dad was trying to fix it and he almost broke that little metal tine off trying to get it back to the right side of the bar. So there's no way you could do it without really, really forcing it, like really intentionally doing it. So that was strange and we were all there to see it. And then the final thing that happened, I think this was all in the space of two weeks. The final wow. thing, yeah, the final thing to happen was she came home from work. It was like one in the afternoon. So sat down on her bed and, you know, no, no TV, nothing was on. And she heard this sound. It was kind of like a whirring sound. And she said it sounded familiar, but she couldn't quite place what it, what it could be. And uh, she was looking around the room and then she looked at the chest of drawers that, uh, excuse me, that were my dad's. And she said there was an empty styrofoam cup on the edge and it was spinning and it just spun faster and faster and faster and then fell off. And, <laughs> she, <laughs> and she was like, okay, I've, I'm nuts. I've 
absolutely lost my mind. Um, but that was the last thing that happened. I think, you know, big boy got his point across. I never told her that I had invited him in. But by the time she told me that I was like, Oh, I, I think I did this. I think this is my fault. Wow. Um, so do they still live there? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My and mom do things happen them. at all with like the other ghosts? Um, no, nothing, nothing else. Um, one thing that to this day we can all hear is when you're sitting downstairs, you can hear footsteps walking back and forth between the upstairs bedrooms, just like really clear. It, it could not possibly be like an animal in the wall. Um, it's, it's just very obviously someone walking. Um, but really beyond that, well, and I guess my mom <laughs> has always felt uh, when she's in the kitchen, she always feels like someone's looking right over her shoulder. She's at the stove or the sink, like just someone's like right over her shoulder watching what she's doing. Um, <clears throat> she's never really shook that feeling. And one time my dad has a really sick sense of humor. <laughs> so he one time came up and uh, right behind her. She didn't hear him come home and he stood right behind her um, and scared the shit out of her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's really kind of it. Um, yeah, that I can think of. Besides Do you whole, still have that problem with the ghost that hates him in the one room? Um, no, my dad died two years ago, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. It, it's actually funny. He haunts my mom now. Um, so I guess there's a haunting. <laughs> oh, wow. Because <laughs> you were saying that your mom is a psychic or has some some yeah. abilities, right? Yeah, yeah. She's, she's pretty, um, she's hesitant to even talk about it. It's just, it kind of scares her. Um, but, but yeah, she, okay. So I guess the first story that I remember her telling was when my parents first got together, like I said, my dad played in a band, um, and their band was uh, a house band at this, um, at this hotel bar. And so they played, you know, six nights a week, which means the guys all left their instruments, you know, there on stage. Mm -hmm. Uh, so she was there with them one night and, she watched my dad put his guitar in the guitar stand. And then in her, in her mind's eye, I guess she saw another hand come from the other side, pick it up and take it out of the guitar stand. And she was like, you know, Charlie, I think you should take your guitar home tonight. Like, I, I just really, I really think you should take it home tonight. And he was, you know, like, you're crazy. Like we always leave this here. It's fine. And uh, the next day they discovered that all of the guys is, um, instruments had been stolen. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's sort of, is that kind of her ability is? Yeah. Um, it's, that yeah. Way? She has those like premonitory things. The most, yeah, yeah. the most intense one, um, it's really a tragic story. Um, in, in, we live, our town was just outside Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, so she worked in Lincoln and in the nineties, I can't remember what year, sometime in the nineties, there, a, a, girl, um, a college-age girl, uh, went missing. She had been with friends downtown uh, drinking at a bar, and her friends, you know, left her on the corner uh, of downtown, like right on the main drag. Um, they were, they said goodbye. They walked one way. She walked another way, and she was never seen again. Um, her name was Candace Harms, and it was, I want to say months, you know, it was just a really, really big deal for whatever reason. That kind of thing just never happened. Um, or you never heard of it anyhow. So it was a really huge deal. She was all over the news for a long time. And my mom was, was driving home from work 
and there's this uh, highway that connects our town to Lincoln. And so the highway is like 10 miles long. And so every mile, there's a dirt road going in either direction. Um, uh, that part of the world has what's called a, a, a country mile and it's just perfect checkerboards. So she's driving and she gets to this one uh, dirt road intersection. And she said it was like someone took her by the chin and snapped her head down that road and a voice in her head said, Candace Harms is there. And she, you know, you, she tried to not think about it. Um, how are you gonna tell somebody this? And I think it was a week or two later, they discovered her body about, about a mile down that road um, in a shallow grave. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the Detective Club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Hello, Joey, where are you? I am coming to you from Montreal, Quebec. That's Quebec? Yeah, Quebec? Montreal, Quebec, yeah. <laughs> well, you said it so fancy. Oh, Say it well, again. Yeah. Montreal, Quebec. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for being on. I recently read your story, like literally just a, like a week or two ago, about this crazy doppelganger situation you yes. had. And then you sent me another story about this woman in a grocery store, and I want to hear it. Oh my God. So it was the most amazing moment of my life. Like I told my parents about it when it happened and they were like, Oh, Joey, that's an angel. And I was like, okay, ma. So, uh, we had, uh, we had just moved, uh, this takes place in Sunrise, Florida. And we had just moved from Staten Island. So I was like in a very dark place as a kid. Like I was 11 ish and it, I was gay from the womb, honestly. So, like, going to South Florida was, like, really a culture shock for me. And um, I was just, like, very sad all the time. So, we get to this. My mom, it, uh, we intended to get something very quickly. Like, we knew what we were going to get. And we just walked into the grocery store. 
But I remember I was holding my mother's hand, like I was holding her hand. We walk into the grocery store and all of a sudden I see my mother like in my peripheral and she's already with the cart, like all the way, like far from me. And I was like, okay, whatever. But then my, I just stared at like the aisles or whatever. And this woman was standing there and something inside, like I didn't talk to strangers. I wasn't crazy. I'm from New York. But um, <laughs> I saw this woman and she was just, she looked totally normal by the way. Like, but it was evident that she was beautiful on like a different level. Like I'll use an uh, American horror story term. Like they say like the Supreme on that show has glowing radiant health. This woman mm -hmm. was that. She was just really... I guess, obs obs crazy uh, beautiful. So I just walked up to her and she- Who was she wearing? Um, okay, she was wearing like this long skirt that was floral. Everything looked new, it didn't look old at all. And she was wearing like a midriffy type of sweater with long sleeves, but it exposed her midriff. And she was wearing all these bangles on her hands, like on both wrists. And she had like very long gray hair, but it was very well kept. Like it looked like it was styled and curled a bit. Of course, like a gay child is noticing all this. <laughs> and um, <laughs> she wasn't wearing makeup, but her features were just like kind of perfect. And when I walked up to her, she had such a strong odor of like lemon and peaches. And just from like approaching her, she was just so warm and I could just, it was like pulsing out of her. Like I could feel something was not normal, but then again, like I'm 11, like what the hell do I know? So she addresses me by name and I was like, what? And I'm like, how did you know my name? Like it was the, she was like, hello, Joey. And it was Joey. It wasn't Joseph. Only my parents or like my family would say Joey. Like, I would tell everyone, I'm Joseph. Like, I do that to this day. So I was like, how did you know my name? And she was like, well, we've met before, but you won't remember that because it's, it was another, uh, I, I don't I remember what she said exactly, but she was like, you won't remember that. And I was like, uh, okay. And then she was like, I know you're going through it. And by the way, she was saying this, like not like a condescending way. She was saying all of what she was about to say, like very warm, like I, the way a kindergarten teacher would, would, would say to you, being very comforting. And she was like, I know you're, so, sorry, I'm so anxious to say this because it's like, it was such a real experience. It's like giving me goosebumps and I'm shaking. So she said, I understand you're going through such a hard time right now. And uh, don't worry about that. You will understand when you're older. And I was like, what will I understand when I'm older? And she was like, it's very hard for us here on earth. And I was like, um, it's hard for who on earth? And she was like, witches. And I was like, boy, it was like, boy, yoing. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, whoa. And when she said that, like something happened inside me, like it just, I didn't have per se memories come up in my mind, but I just knew, listen to everything she's going to say right now, Joey, you have to really focus on this. 
And mm-hmm. uh, I never experienced that before. So I was just like, whoa. So I'm just like, did you have like those preconceived notions that a lot of kids have of like a witch being a certain image or how did you feel about that? Because my family has a lot of psychic people and um, my family's from Sicily. So we have a lot of Stregira, which is um, witchcraft in Italian. Um, So it was, I I never thought of any, I always thought of them as hippy dippy people. And that's exactly what this woman looked like. So... (laughs) She was saying, she said witches, and she said it with such like a presence, like such a profound meaning. And I was like, witches? And then like inside me, all these feelings started happening. And she was like, yes, it's very difficult when we're here. And we have a very hard time because the, the world is very difficult. And I was like, oh, wow. And she was like, but don't worry but you need to listen to these words. What you think about, you bring about. Your thoughts, you have to be impeccable. And she used that word. You have to be impeccable with your word. She was like, what you think about yourself, what you think about others, it has an effect. And I'm I'm 11. So I'm just like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm just like (laughs) taking this all in. And then I was like, yes. and. Uh, basically I I told her I hated it here uh, saying Florida and how I just felt so alone. Like everyone made fun of me and she was like, don't worry about all that. All of the, all your differences make you powerful or like I was special, something around that. And then, uh, she hugged me and Roz, when she hugged me, it was like she was sucking out the badness out of me like I felt so relieved so completely rejuvenated in that moment now by the way as I said in the story when I typed it my mother is she's nowhere in sight like and this was a full conversation time was going by like I saw people passing us people uh, ringing up their groceries and leaving Like nothing was Mm -hmm. strange about the moment. I was just talking to a woman. And so she's hugging me and it was the best thing in the world. And then she held my face and she was like, "Um, don't forget the words I said, my little witch. I will see you again in another life. And then she stood up. But when she like, we we, uh, let go of the embrace. As she's standing up, it was like she was just gone. Like I blinked her like for a second and she was gone. And I was like, I was starting to panic. Like I was like, what the, f- what? whoa. And then out of nowhere, my mother is like, she turned around at me in the same kind of spot, like a little far away. She's like, Joe, come here. And I was like, uh, wh- what? She's like, let's go. We're getting dinner. And I was like, no, there's no way. Like, I was just here for like, like 10 minutes. Like, you didn't do the groceries? I think I said was, mom, I was just talking to, and she's like, you weren't talking to nobody. Come on. And so we get, we get our stuff. We get into the car and my mom sees like, I'm shaking. And I kind of started to cry, but I was so happy. And I felt like just amazing honestly and um 
I told her what happened, everything. And my mom was like, well, that was probably an angel, Joey, and you have to listen to what she said. And I was like, um, okay. And my mom just, it was like so normal to her. She was like, yeah, uh, that was really cool. Uh, don't worry about it. And we just went home and we cooked dinner. But um, after that day, I never feared being gay. I never feared being myself or being like spiritual. I mean, before I was 11, I had crazy psychic experiences. Once I passed the age of 10, they sort of lessened until like I came out and fully became myself like once I was in college. But um, that so why do you think uh, why do you think that that happened at that moment in a grocery store? Do you have any idea? Well, that day in particular was kind of insane because it okay. Obviously, in Staten Island, like I didn't, I wasn't bullied at all. Like everyone, like kind of enjoyed my differences, but in Florida, like. Guys and girls did not like that I was feminine, that I liked theater, that I liked acting and stuff. They were very hostile towards this. And this day, like, it was like a whole group of kids at the lunch table were telling me such awful things. Like, I have to like sports. I have to do this. So I was really upset about I was so angry and upset. And I never told my parents how horrible people were to me in school. So I feel like this happened at such a time where I was so defeated and I felt like maybe I could have gone down a downward spiral and got and became like bad or something like a bad kid because just no Mm -hmm. one was understanding me and I felt so alone. But after that moment, a lot of things changed with my attitude. Like I just had a, I don't give an F attitude after that. And many things changed with um, how I dealt with bullies at school and things like that. So did you identify as a witch after that? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, my mother realized after that day, because we told my father and he was like, well, uh, let's go to the bookstore. So we went to the bookstore and um, (laughs) there was a a spiritual store near us in Sunrise. It was called Magic with a K. And this witch, uh, this Wiccan priestess, we didn't know she was a Wiccan priestess, but she was like, I'm going to give you Scott Cunningham and Silver Ravenwolf and you're, uh, and you're going to read that. And then if you like that, I'll give you some more information. And I went back a week later, read them all and was like, okay, so this is from me. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. Oh my God. Yeah. This woman sounds so, this, this, this witch angel it just sounds so magical. I I'm just thinking about the it, like <laughs> I'm thinking about like the gay angel glam squad that probably put it together for her. You oh know, my God, you know right? someone was on hair, Make you know someone up. was on the Yeah. I almost <laughs> I'm trying to remember if she had any shoes and all I remember is seeing nail polish on toes. I think she was probably barefoot. Mm. Like it was so crazy. <laughs> She I'll really never, thought about every little aesthetic. Yeah. I'll never forget it. So, it was so wild. <laughs> tell me um, the story you said was crazier or okay. another crazy so story. So I've had, I have a list here because I hope I get to come back because I have tons of experiences. Well, not tons, but like enough that where they were so significant that you'll never forget them. 
But this in okay. particular was the only one that I felt was bad, but I still was so excited about it. Okay, so <laughs> okay. I, I was, okay, I'm not going to say dating, but you know what I'm talking about. I was seeing this dude uh-huh. and he was, uh, he was born and raised in Florida. He knew uh, all these things that me and my sister, who are from Sun Island, had, you know, we didn't really know. But I was, me and my sister were teenagers. Like I was 17 and she was like, she's three years younger than me. She was, she was like around 14 or whatever. So he goes, Hey, I want to take you guys to this abandoned house in Davie, Florida. Davie, Florida is this very, um, it's in Fort Lauderdale. So it's not like in the country. But it is very spread out. So, like, there's farms and things like that. And it's very country western rods. So not my style at all. But um, it's very interesting because this house, it's a mansion. And the whole block, it, like, uh, they're far enough apart where you can have great privacy. However, every single house was occupied for years. But this particular house, he kept telling us, uh, this guy I was seeing, he was like, by the way, no one will move into this house. It's been vacant for 10 years. No one will go in here. Every time someone moves in, they move out. And me and my sister... Was it, who, did it look busted or no? That um, Outside, it looked busted. But when I tell you about okay. inside, it was so weird. And me and my sister were like, oh, yeah, let's do that. So we get there, and he takes us around the... Um, the it was like acres of land. And all the other uh, neighbors had, like, farm animals that would, like, come in to this land uh it was fenced in though it was so creepy and we were like if and my sister joked it looks like a civil war place and then he was like oh yeah yeah. uh this is like where they kept like plantations and me and my sister were like oh that's fucking gross <laughs> excuse me for cursing and um no, it's fine. and uh so we noticed and i was like so how are we going to get in he's like oh the door's always open i was like that's impossible but no we walked right to the front door and it was it was open and i was like okay we get in there and everything is beautifully finished everything's wood there's even ceiling fans going that was wild the electricity freaking worked but no one lives in this house that's who's paying for that i have no idea i was thinking because there was always a there he told me the realtor sign there was a realtor sign outside they were probably trying to sell this for 10 years as he said i don't know if he was telling the truth but like it was evident nobody wanted to go near this house like people like when we were walking around the neighborhood people were looking at us and shaking their heads like be careful over there oh that place is crazy (laughs) and me and my sister like this is so weird because they wouldn't even bring their dogs over to the house like they would circle around so we were just like okay this is a little eerie whatever but like, again, we didn't care. So we walk in, everything's like newly finished, but there's no furniture at all. It's totally bare. And um, he goes, you've got to see this bathroom. So we're walking around and then we shut the door. Now this is August in Florida, the worst month ever. So it's very humid. We were all sweating. We get into this house, it's, it's freezing. Like freezing. Mm-hmm. And Allie, my, excuse me, my sister and I are just like, uh the ac's on and he was like no and of course this kid doesn't care. we're just like oh okay so then he goes you got to see this bathroom so we get to this bathroom Roz. it's a huge bathroom 
it is completely tiled with ornate, like Mexican like tile. Like it's very lovely. But the whole uh wall with the sink is like a whole wall is a mirror. Okay. And then um behind the mirror is like this huge shower and there's a big banquette. So you, there's like a bench in there. So uh, the kid I was saying sits in the uh, shower and he's like just chilling there. And me and my sister, because this was the dawn of the iPhone, we were just taking selfies and being silly. <laughs> so my sister and I are like standing next to each other, but like there's a space between us. And we're looking at the mirror and uh, the only light that was on was the one in the shower. And it was quite, it was bright enough, but it wasn't fully lit bathroom. So whatever. So we're looking at the mirror, taking selfies. And then all of a sudden, me and Ali see through the mirror that the guy I was seeing, his face like looks like he just saw a ghost. <laughs> he's like milk white. And he he's like, he can't talk. He's like, uh, 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 and he's pointing at the mirror. So me and Allie look behind us and we're like, are you okay, sweetie? And then <laughs> we're, we look at the mirror and my sister grabs my arm and we're like, oh, like gay gasp. And okay, this is, I don't care if it sounds weird, this happened. Purple smoke was in the mirror. It was like pools of purple smoke we're in like a prince concert uh, why like exactly like oh my god i'm going in french exactly like that so it was like purple smoke in this mirror and i could not look away my sister kept like grabbing my arm though like to pull me away from looking but like she was also looking at it too like we were just mesmerized by this and the, uh, the kid I was seeing was like from a Christian family. So he was flipping out. But me and Allie were like, whoa. And so me and my sister looking at this mirror. And then all of a sudden in between the space that we had, like standing next to each other, a woman appears. Like her face. It was so we got. I'm getting goosebumps. Okay. She was. But you only saw her like when you were looking in the mirror, or you could see her in the room as well. No, no, no. She was only in the mirror, but she was definitely. It was like, like you know, when you go to the haunted mansion in Disney World, and you mm-hmm. and you like see the ghost next to you in the cart. Yeah. It was like that, but she was totally solid. She was, but she was. This is also weird. She was like black and white. She had no color, and she was wearing definitely like an anti-bellumish dress, but she had a bonnet on, which I, historically, I figured, oh, she was like a a servant or something, whatever. So we're looking at this woman and she's staring directly at me and my sister. And my sister is trying to pull me out of the room because the one I was seeing ran out of that bathroom so fast when that girl, when that woman appeared, we didn't even know he left. So... We're looking at this woman and the smoke is still going behind her. And I'm just so fascinated. And now this is where I felt it gets a little evil. I literally felt a suction pull to this mirror. And at one point I was reaching my left hand 
toward the mirror. At that point, my sister finally got scared and slapped my face on the other side to get me to not look at the mirror. So once I didn't look, I didn't have my eyes on the mirror, I kind of snapped out of it. And then I looked at her and I was like, whoa! And then we looked at the mirror and this woman looked like she was going to come out of the mirror and we screamed and we ran out of the house and we slammed the door behind us and my sister was like, I am never coming back here again, Joey. We can't go in there. It's freaking evil, blah, blah. I was like, what? But the whole ride home, I was like, what the hell was that? It was so wild. God. It was crazy. I'm sure the neighbors were like, oh, yep, that's what happens. Oh, my God. Seriously. Because Now, uh, did you I... get any selfies with the, the purple smoke? <laughs> Or no, lady. in fact, uh, it's so funny you mentioned that because I just remember this detail. Every freaking selfie my sister and I took did like there was something wrong with the photos. Like we had literally like we were doing selfies. Like we saw the iPhone. I mean, again, first generation. Take it. No, one, yeah. And when we got home. It was like all smeared and like a weird flash, like nothing we took had taken. And weird. That it it even uh confirmed for me, okay, this wasn't good. This was not good. This was a bad experience. Yeah. But um I love this stuff. So I was just like, whoa, Allie, did you see the smoke? And she was like, Yes, I why was it purple? Like we were just so confused. But the woman looked like an actual woman that was standing in the bathroom and we had happened to be there as well, but she was not physically with us and we did not feel an energy next to us. It was definitely coming from the mirror. It was insane. I've been ghosted too. Oh my God. We are joined by Alex, also known as Chicago's own Wanda Screw. Hello. Hello. How's it going? So good. I'm so excited to talk to you. Same. Same. So you're a drag queen in Chicago and you do ghost tours? I do. Yes. Um, I think I think I'm the only drag queen who does ghost tours. Definitely here. Maybe in the world. But who knows? It's crossed my mind of, of doing it because actually the last job I had before I just started being Rose Dresfellas all the time, was being a tour guide at a movie studio. And I love, I love being a tour guide, but I just am always afraid of walking around the streets in drag and who knows what could happen with that. How is that for you? You know, it's been interesting. That's kind of the first thing that a lot of people say uh, as a concern when, when they find out about the tours, but you know, I've really only ever had positive experiences. I've almost Great. never had any, you know, any people uh, trying to like disrupt or say anything. Um, it's been actually kind of a really nice way to meet people. <laughs> um, do you do it during the day or at night? Both. So I actually, I started as a museum drag tour guide through uh, this company called Museum Hack that wanted to try out doing drag queen tours in the Art Institute. 
Um, so I started out doing that and that's like middle of the day on Saturdays. And so I would, sometimes I would take the train and go down there, um, in the middle of the day. And I mean, that was really, really fun. Um, and like going, I love the art Institute. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Sunday afternoon at the Island of La Grande Jatte. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, I walked by that every, every time I did it and like going to the members lounge in full drag and just like sitting at the bar, uh, was pretty amazing. So I had a really fun time. And then I thought, well, I love, I love talking about ghosts and spooky stories and, uh, history. Um, so I should just like try to make a ghost tour a thing. And, uh, that was like four years ago, I think. Um, and here we are. So, yeah. That's incredible. So what are some of the places that you see in Chicago? So, um, we're, we were limited in the walking tour by everything being within five or 10 minutes of each other. Cause we needed to keep it snappy. Um, this year I'm doing them virtually. So I'm basically just like telling spooky stories, um, with photos and videos to back it up on, on zoom, um, for this Halloween. But, um, the, the original tour, um, we go to the Congress hotel, which is, uh, apparently one of the most haunted hotels in the country slash uh, definitely the most haunted one in Chicago. Um, and then we go to the Palmer House Hotel, which now unfortunately has closed because of pandemic things and hopefully it will reopen. Um, and we go to um, a theater that um, has a haunted alleyway behind it um, and a part of the Chicago River that's apparently haunted as well. Is it the theater where like Wicked used to be? Did you see the episode of Celebrity Ghost Stories where she- Of course, with Anna Gasteyer. That Girl, don't ask me trivia about Celebrity Ghost Stories. Oh, yeah. Especially about Miss Anna. Miss Anna, who is on it multiple times and has yes. amazing stories. But yeah, I, I retell her story um, because I, so I usually do the tour. Last year I did the tour in like, Wicked Witch of the West drag every day, every time I did it. Um, because I just, I don't know, I have an obsession with with villains of all kinds, um, but especially her. Uh, so I did I did that last year and so it was a perfect time. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that alleyway is, is famous apparently among touring theater companies that come through. Can you tell us the story? I can. So okay. um, I'm gonna try to get all the years right. So it is um, early 1900s. Um, it is, uh, I believe, 1903, 1905. And it is December. Um, it's one of the last days of the year, and it's really snowy and, um, you know, blizzard outside. And all of these children and their caretakers are going into the theater um, to watch a Christmas pantomime called Mr. Bluebeard. And... Mr. Bluebeard, like it was, it was like a very long show from what I can gather um, with, you know, huge dance numbers and acrobatics and all this crazy stuff, right? And uh, there's a moment in the show uh, that particular day where uh, one of the lights gets very hot above the stage. Um, and on this particular day, the theater was packed over capacity, like people sitting in the aisles, people just crowding all the way up. Um, and this light got really hot and started to spark on the scenery that was hanging above the stage. And uh, 
it was painted with lead-based paint because early 1900s and uh, it started to smolder the set pieces that were up above the stage and uh, slowly spread until there started to be smoke. Once there was smoke, people on stage started to kind of notice and get weirded out apparently, and then the audience started to notice. So it kind of grew throughout the audience, uh, people kind of grumbling, starting to get up, not being sure what to do. At this point, people backstage can see that there is a fire building above them. And so, um, according to legend, the stage manager throws open these big double doors in the back part of the stage, which um, are like loading doors, um, with the intention of getting the actors out safely and having another big door that people could leave through. By doing this, he creates um, a backdraft, basically, and it uh, whooshes this huge gust of cold wind into the theater and uh, creates what uh, one person who was there who survived describes as a three-story fireball that like balloons up on the stage and like shoots out onto the whole audience. So now you have uh, an entire audience full of children that are like on fire, basically. Seats are on fire, the carpet's on fire, walls are on fire, you know, they're, they're starting to run towards the exits. This was very olden times and um, things like this hadn't been thought about yet. So all, the, all of the doors out of the theater, there were no exit doors onto the street. Um, if you notice nowadays, when you go into a theater, there are exit doors, wherever there is street access, there are exit doors. That was not the case. Um, and, and also the doors opened inward. So if you can imagine like hundreds of people packing, trying to get out a door that opens in, they basically were trapping themselves inside the theater. So people got trampled, people got, um, you know, crushed underneath the weight of people who were trying to get out above them um, to the point that people in the balcony started to jump off of the fire escapes in this famous alley because they tried to get onto the fire escapes and they found that they had not been finished and they didn't go all the way to the ground. So people were jumping two, three, six stories up to try to get out of this burning building onto the pavement and um, hitting, you know, hitting the ground really hard. Um, and according to legend, there was a stack of bodies six feet high in that alley oh, that day God. Once, the, once the fire department came. So uh, over, I want to say over 800 people died that day and uh, around 200 of them were children. Um, so uh, that, you know, that led to a lot of fire safety laws in theaters. Um, the theater had to be rebuilt. Um, and to this day, um, as, as recently as when Wicked was there, according to uh, Celebrity Ghost Story, uh, people who are there will, who are doing shows will see we'll see people in early 1900s garb um, watching them in the backstage uh, to the point that uh, one summer I was doing it and uh, summer and fall and uh, the share show was doing the pre-Broadway tryout, which amazing. I saw it so many times. I loved it. And the people who would kind of come upon the tour as we were giving it were like, Oh yeah. Like when we were moving into the theater, people would tell us this was called death alley. Um, Oh my God. <laughs> because you can like feel it when you walk, when you walk in, uh, it's very weird. It's, uh, well, we always talk about why 
theaters like why are theaters so haunted but like that one that's pretty catastrophic what is that theater called again so it's gone through um a variety of names it just recently was renamed uh the nederlander theater in chicago okay um so that's uh, that's uh yeah it's uh it's interesting. They put a lot of lights and like lighted posters on that alley to, I think, try to make it seem like, wow, like showbiz, like this is amazing. This is so cool. Um, <laughs> I think because it has such a terrible reputation. <laughs> yeah. So has on your tour have, have anything paranormal happened? You know, not really. And that's the disappointing thing. Um, I think, I think maybe because all of these areas, like we go inside a few buildings, we would go inside some of the hotel lobbies. um, And those are still pretty public spaces. Um, So we were very rarely in like, you know, a room by ourselves or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I think often there's just so many distractions. There's, you know, so much street noise. There's so much stuff going on that nothing has ever really happened um but those kinds of tours i think people need they probably want that but i'm sure they leave being like oh my god this was just a fun experience and you get a fun history lesson you know i've been on a number of those tours nothing paranormal has ever happened but i just really enjoy it and it's nice to get some steps in you oh you get steps it's a two mile tour and i do it in six inch heels <laughs> well that was more what i was talking about earlier was like i don't want to be walking around in heels <laughs> it is <laughs> that's my problem it is like yeah i feel it like last last year at the end of the month i would feel it and be like oh i shouldn't <laughs> i should give myself a break here for a second um but your caps are stunning i'm sure feel <laughs> what the history of chicago is I mean, I can imagine it would have so many paranormal, uh, you know, aftermath when you think of the great fire and there's the mob presence and I can only imagine. Oh, I want to go on your tour. Hopefully one of these days. One of these days when we can do do things in person again, um, you're definitely invited, though, if you want to join the Zoom call and hear all the spooky stories, um, I'll I'll forward you the info. Uh, okay for this for this fall but yeah chicago can you tell people right now how they can find all that of course yes the events are on eventbrite um the tour is called death becomes her and uh it is on eventbrite it's also on facebook um and you can find everything through there um i'm doing it right now i'm doing it four dates in october so the last the last two weekends on friday and saturday nights um, I think it's going to be cute. I'm going to send out, um, you know, some like little uh, cocktail recipes, snack ideas, things to try to make it a fun experience, even though we're all isolated in our homes um, to try to, you know, kind of gather around and tell some spooky stories. So I think it'll be fun. I hope. That sounds great. Well, so what are, what are your experiences with ghosts? You know, I'm one of those people and... I've heard a few other people on your podcast say something similar where I like really want to have an amazing, crazy story. And I just, I I do have a story, but it's not like I don't have ghost experiences all the time. Um, 
but I did have an experience when I was younger. Um, I think I was like 12 and um, we were going to clean out my great uncle's factory that he owned in the country. So imagine like rural Illinois, cornfields for miles. And then there's this, this building in the middle of all of it. Um, he was like an inventor and he had a factory. I don't totally know everything that he did, um, but he had a factory and he died and we went out there to kind of clean everything out. Um, and I, you know, I was, I was like the kid who came along um, with all the adults and uh, it was like postcard from the sixties, like wood paneled walls, typewriters. This was like uh, early 2000, 2005, maybe still had like typewriters everywhere. Um, he had a walk-in safe. It's like very, very bizarre. Um, so the mood was already kind of weird. And so I started wandering around and uh, I started hearing uh, kind of like, I, I, I thought it was like on a loudspeaker, um, just like people's voices, like multiple voices, kind of grumbly, garbled, like up in the air. Like it was, it was, I, I, I felt like it was like on a factory loudspeaker. Um, and I was like, okay, like whatever. And I just like would go about my business. I was like looking around, whatever. And I would always assume, okay, I'm going to go back into the office part and people are probably talking. Like there's like a loudspeaker or something that people are messing with or I'm hearing them somehow through the system or whatever. And I really distinctly remember walking back in. So it's kind of like if you imagine like a car repair uh, place where there's like an open kind of garage area and then it, there's like, you know, a glass window and offices. And so I walk through there and there's like shelving and people are looking through like everything that was on the shelves and sorting things. And I was like, okay, yeah, like they're, they're having some kind of conversation. So I'm going to go back and see what they're saying. And I remember it being like kind of loud, like full conversation going on. I couldn't really understand the words. And then going back into this office and it just being dead silent. <laughs> and it was so weird because I looked around and I was like, well, everyone must know that something must have just happened where everyone just is silent. Like some, someone said something that like made everyone stop or, and everyone was just going about their business, sorting things. Like it was like not a big deal. Nothing weird was happening. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And then I, I went back out and I started hearing like it kind of morphed into the sound of dogs barking. And I was like, Oh, there must be like dogs outside or something. Um, and I don't remember if it was that day or later when we got home, I, I told my mom, yeah, I heard like, I was hearing like weird stuff. I, I thought I heard dogs barking and she was like, well, he, he, he had two dogs that he kept out there that lived out there. And uh, when they died, he buried them outside the factory. And so I was like, oh, okay. And uh, that's as far as I took it. But I do believe something was going on that day. I don't totally know what, but yeah. Interesting. Ghost dogs. Ghost I love it. Dogs. Yeah. Uh, that's the only experience. So I don't know. My mom has had a lot of experiences of like after 
after a, a very close loved one dies of like seeing them uh, in the house. Um, and she's, she's still, she won't admit like whether she really thinks she sees a ghost or she thinks she just is imagining them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's had it, it's happened multiple times for her. Um, so that's interesting. Thank you so much for being on. And I hope that people listening will uh, go check out your tour and your ghost stories. Yeah, me too. Um, I guess maybe the most direct way to get in touch that I didn't think about was my Instagram, which is just uh, Wanda underscore screw. I'm, <laughs> I'm very, yeah, I'm very uh, matter of fact, but uh, yeah, I, I post about it incessantly on there. So that might be the best way to go about it. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll meet some new people through, uh, through your podcast. Yeah. For everybody that Wanda hear a ghost story. Okay. Hello, Brad from Los Angeles. How are you? Good. How are you? So good. Um, I wanted to hear the story that you sent me about the Greystone Mansion. Oh, yeah, for sure. So um, I actually went to see a friend in a play there, which I found it is like the longest running play in Los Angeles. It's been there for 18 years. And they still do it? Yeah. Or, called, I mean, probably not right now, but. Well, no, yeah. But it's called The Manor, and you go in, and the, the, the family is called the, the McAllisters. And, um, you know, so it's based loosely on the Doheny family. And um, they come out looking like they're just the nicest people, and everything was really wonderful. And, you know, it's the character from There Will Be Blood. So, you know, the, the son and his valet died the night before they were supposed to. Um, testify in the teapot dome scandal the bodies were found covered in blood like there's a lot of really dicey stuff around it and oh yeah we should probably get into the backstory yeah just really quickly and so i went to see the show and i was asking the woman a friend of mine was in it and i said well why um uh do, do you um why does the family come off looking like that when there are all these other things and she said well even though it's a national park the the family that owned that made the house still has script approval. And I thought that was kind of an interesting idea. So um, I was talking to my friend who was in it and she said, while she performed, she felt like the presence of a little girl around her or like a child. And there were these, she started telling me stories like people would see this girl in a polka dot dress or one of the forest rangers had locked up the house. And there's a, there's like a bridge with a window um, on the second floor. And he thought somebody was like, Oh yeah, I checked, but saw like a, person and then went inside and it was like a headless torso and he just ran out screaming so she was telling me all these stories you know and the people themselves they rehearse in the quote-unquote murder room which is where the the valet live where the murder took place and then you said a headless torso i had to like comprehend that so it's basically just a first of all it's like sounds like grinder but it's just a tour no legs and no head floating in the air yeah exactly Oh my God. Yeah. So she started telling me these stories and I was like, well, that's bizarre. And so um, I I kind of had the idea of like a screenplay thing. So I started researching for like writing a screenplay about a group of actors stuck in a house and, you know, who gets to tell the truth and that kind of thing, which felt very like of our moment since this wealthy family gets to, you know, tell, tell the story, even though the real story is a lot darker. Um, And, uh, you know, and there are all these rumors about, these murders and suicides. So weirdly, a friend of mine was friends with a forest ranger who no longer works there. So I, I think I can tell these stories because he's like, don't tell anyone I'll get fired, but he doesn't work there anymore. Um, so I made an arrangement to 
have a little tour with him around the house. And um, he told me there were actually six deaths in the house. Um, that there were, uh, that a little girl had fallen out a window playing with her playmate. That's the little, possibly the girl in the polka dot dress. Um, two of the, there were two women who killed themselves. Uh, and there's a whole thing about that possibly with like being sexually assaulted by the man that the, the woman who possibly killed her husband and the valet <laughs> remarried, like there's a whole thing. And then another guy, um, uh, was possibly thrown in the boiler who worked there because they used to keep the men locked in the boiler room um, to keep away from the female servants when it was, you know, a working house in the 20s and 30s. Um, so not super charming. The whole time it was like, you know, we walked around the whole house and he was telling me these stories and I was like, yikes. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And so he started telling me that like, you know, one of the forest rangers like was pushed down the stairs and she was just standing at the stairs. There was no one behind her. And another one was on a photo shoot and something crazy happened. And he ended up like leaving the client alone because he was so freaked out. And, um, and uh, what were some of the other ones? Oh, that, you know, somebody had like turned off all the lights. And then one of the, uh, then he heard this voice that said, you missed one and turned around and one of the lights was back on. Um, he himself like pushed a cabinet closed and felt like, it being pushed back at him. Um, so there were those kind of things. Um, they said they had a paranormal investigator in there and there's like a, supposedly a demon living in there. And they said it was like a portal to another world and they found some substance on the floor that nobody could identify. I mean, he was telling me all this, you know, oh who knows God. if it was true or not. So anyway. Well, that place, see, I don't, I, I don't know a ton about it. I had never, I've never been to it, but it's basically, it's this grand mansion in beverly hills that so it's it's what were you saying it's a national like it's a national uh, park now and it, you know it, okay originally i think it was on like 400 acres of land they had like a game reserve if you go on the second floor they actually have a sink that has like where they would like they would they could shoot game and they just bring them up and prepare them and the, you know the sink where they can the blood like goes into the sink from where they you know slaughter the animals that kind of thing um dumb waiters the whole deal it's like 50 rooms it's big and there's like a oh whole, my god and there's a bowling alley um which you saw and there will be blood they renovated the bowling alley um and there it was also built during prohibition so there are all these like the walls are really thick or like there's a hidden bar downstairs where you like hit a hit a wall and it like turns into a bar that kind of stuff um well it's been in like a bajillion movies I, that's what i that's what I had known it from. Well, I love Death Becomes Her. And I remember once yeah. I'm like watching it and being like, what is this place? And then I saw that that's that they had shot there. But uh, here, I'll give you a list for anyone listening. I went to a website called seeing-stars.com. <laughs> and uh, here's some of the movies. What Women Want, oh, starring ugh, Mel Gibson. Uh, the Bodyguard starring Queen, Whitney Houston. The Phantom with Billy Zahn. Oh, Witches of Eastwick. Mm-hmm. Big Lebowski, All of Me with Steve Martin and Lily Tomlin. Ghostbusters 2, that sounds fitting. There's um, Jumping Jack Flash with Whoopi Goldberg. The Beautician and the Beast with Fran Drescher. There's, there's like the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, it's crazy. And in fact, right after I visited, I, for some reason, was watching All of Me. And I was like, that's that. Wait, I was just there. Um, yeah, so it's... Uh, it's crazy. It's a, it's a beautiful house. It's enormous. You know, I mean, it, the tile is incredible. I mean, it really is amazing. But um, I, the whole time I was there, and this is why I would tell the story, like I had a headache 
which was bizarre. And I was starting to feel tired. And, you know, I, I was taking a lot of pictures and hearing all these stories. And then I went home and, um, and that's why I thought you'd enjoy listening to your podcast um, or not enjoy, but be interested. I uh, start, was getting really depressed. I had headaches all the time. I had problems sleeping. Um, I had this one moment where I, you know, I, I parked my cars with LA apartment, you know, my parking spaces behind my apartment building. And I had the thought like, wow, I've never, it's funny in 13 years, I've never scraped the side of my car against my building. And literally the next time I got in my car, I just like scraped the entire side of my car against my building. And um, so I was talking to a friend who, uh, a late friend, uh, you know, who um, was a psychic actually for many, many, many years and worked with a lot of people. And he's, he was asking what had happened and how I was feeling. And he said, come over here right now. And he, he um, did something where like put our hands on the table and he goes, oh yeah, something's attached itself to you. Cause I also couldn't find jobs. I was running out of money, all this stuff. And um, he said something, he's like, I destroyed it. And I definitely felt like, it's weird. I felt this like flush kind of thing. And, and um, an hour later I got offered a job. I got offered like three jobs in the next week. Like everything turned around, the headache went away. And I was like, I didn't need to know that was even possible. <laughs> Oh my God. Do you think it was one of the demons from the alleged portal? I have no idea. What he told me was did demons, he's like, oh, demons aren't a problem. Demons have a place they live and they're just upset if you try to fuck with their house, basically. But mm. he was like, you know, they're not going to follow you. He was like just some kind of entity. And I got- Well, are they paying rent? I know. <laughs> because if not you're out of here oh yeah but it was one of those things where i was like I, you know i don't know if true or not or suggestion but i know um i was on the grounds again and then i was like oh, i got a, i get a headache anytime i think about it so i'm like you know what i'll i'll steer clear but um yeah it was kind of wild i mean afi was there for many years i mean like they said they've shot all kinds of movies but it's just like the stories are this forest ranger was just telling me story after story after story and i was like yikes so, um, but it's open to the public, right? Like people can just go at any time. Is I think you right? can schedule a tour, but the gardens are open. And then like, I've had friends who've gotten married there, you know, they do marriages. And I was like, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to go. Well, you're telling me also that you've done shows at Casita del Campo where yeah. I do my live shows and stuff. Have you ever had any experiences there? I haven't. Um, and when I heard the thing, you know, about the, ghost there i was like oh because i've stood in that little corner you know waiting to go on and I'm, i've never had uh never had any experiences there um but i, I had it's heard, so weird me neither i had heard about it you know and you're always like you know you there was like oh there was a fire you know i mean you hear the stories um but no i and it's such a great vibe if there is something there it's obviously not like trying to ruin everybody's day you know what i mean totally yeah it's Whatever is going on, if there is, I mean, enough people have said that there is that I believe it, but it's it's definitely just fun, happiness. I mean, I think there's also just so much energy down there of people just cackling on oh, yeah. full stomachs of delicious food and people are just like, there's just so much happiness there. Yeah, I've never gotten that kind of vibe that it's like, because there have been times I mean, I, I think I mentioned I like went to a place over here near here and saw this chair that this guy had. You know. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about it? Oh, yeah, sure. So, I know that place. It's called the Philosophical uh, Research in 
Yeah, University of Philosophical Research. Yes. Okay. I, I've always been like, what is that place? And I've been to the bookstore, but I don't yeah. really know. What, do you know what it is? You know, he was like, uh, Marianne Williamson studied there, I think. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and it was, it's like, a, I think he built it in the, you know, there are all those, the Theosophists, like the Bassant Lodge, that kind of history of LA of like, you know, lots of alternative thought and spiritual people, mm-hmm. you know, um, and this guy, I guess, was kind of heavily into the occult, but I'd never been either. And I, I don't live far, I've driven past it so many times. So, you know, I mean, I think a few years ago, um, I drove by and thought, you know what, I'm just going to stop in. And um, I walked up into the right, there's this like lecture hall, and there's like a, looks like a, a carved wooden chair from like, let's say like China in the 1860s or something. And I looked at the chair and I thought, I'm going to throw up, like, I'm really going to get sick, which is not like me at all. And then I went to the bookstore and was like, someone's going to stab me in the back or I'm going to be abducted, which was really weird. <laughs> so I went to the bookstore, the guy running the bookstore, and I said, what is that chair? And he said, oh, that's where the founder would lecture from. That was his chair. And I was like, oh, well, I guess this place is not for me then. So I just kind of uh, backed away slowly. Um, and as soon as I left, I was fine. But it was just the weirdest. I've never had that experience anywhere else. But I was like, I don't know what's going on here. But um, there was definitely some, <laughs> you know, wow. I don't think I'm, I'm not clairvoyant, but I definitely, you know, there are moments, I don't know if you have that thing where you go in somewhere and you're like, this is not right. And um, yeah, yeah I, I had that experience. Other people, I think it's great for, but sometimes I think that's just a guide saying, maybe you particularly shouldn't be here. Yeah, <laughs> not for you. Yeah. Special thank you to Kit, Joey, Alex, and Brad for being on this month's listener episode. You can be on next month's listener episode by emailing me at ghostedbyraws at gmail.com. Type up a little bit of your stories and put in the subject line listener episode and we just might work something out. Please join Patreon. Helps me out. And I've been enjoying all the content and people have been loving it from what I hear. You just go to patreon.com slash There's also a link in the description of this episode. I'm on Instagram at rawsdresfeles. Join our Facebook group, Ghosted by Rawsdresfeles. I'm on Venmo at Queen Raws. And Cameo, Rawsdresfeles. I love you all, both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye! A podcast network.